it comes down to the season opener for Virginia Tech. If they win that game, then the Hokies are looking at a potential perfect season, in my opinion. And, you know, then you can say the, the P word uh, with playoffs. But I feel this as you being pessimistic, and all of a sudden you brought up a perfect season. In no way do I think they can do a perfect season. Well, if they beat Florida State, who on that schedule is beating? Welcome to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast. Well, Leland, just like I knew was going to happen, Virginia Tech beat Florida State. Perfect season or bust now? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Uh, you know, perfect season without anything. It's just crazy to think that last week we were arguing if they could even win this game, and they just came out and dominated that game, especially on one side of the ball in particular, but just really had control of that game throughout, and it was, re- you know, it was one play away from being completely theirs pretty much the entire fourth quarter, you know, maybe even half the third. Now, I mean, I, I felt like the second half was all Virginia Tech, other than one big run play, which Florida State celebrated the greatness of that play by later turning it over that drive. So, And, and that's a feature that I love in Virginia Tech's defense, and I think that shows so much of a Bud, coach, a Bud Foster coach defense is that time after time we see these players chase down players on runs or, or still get the tackle. I remember last year against Pittsburgh at home, Virginia Tech had – you know, the announcer was saying, hey, maybe they should let them score so they have a chance to get the ball back. Well, then Virginia Tech ended up having a goal line stand, wins the game. Right there, the player chases the player down, makes the tackle, and then ends up getting no points for Florida State because of it. I love that kind of ferocity in the defense and the never-give-up mentality that Bud Foster brings. Yeah. Um, now, I will say this to kind of put a little bit of a damper on our, you know, perfect season talk offense. I, I feel no better about Josh Jackson today than I did Sunday. Um, Josh Jackson was bad. I went back and looked after our phone conversation last night, Leland, right after the game, uh, Josh Jackson completed no passes that weren't bubble screens other than that fade route on the opening drive. And outside of the opening drive, he had a big, big pass play to Kuma, which basically Kuma set up all by himself. And then outside of that, Josh Jackson was pretty non-existent in the ball game. Uh, So to me, I'm sorry. If Josh Jackson is honest to God, the best quarterback on the roster, Virginia Tech is going to run into trouble somewhere. And I believe that trouble's name is going to be Notre Dame. Yeah, I can't argue with you too much there. I was trying to early in the game, especially after that first drive. I thought, all right, here we go. There's a positive positive there that we can build off of and I can argue against Joe with. And then nothing really fabricated from there. And it was a problem throughout. And those dr- three straight drives where we had field position, including one drive that started on 19, and we never got any points, that can't happen. you you got to be able to get points out of that. I realize one of those times, I think the one they started in the 19, they ended up going forward on fourth and one from the goal line. And I don't mind that call. I'm not against that call. But I didn't like the fact that we got no points in three drives where we started within 60 yards of the end zone. So we got to find points there. And I'm not, I think the next three weeks offers an opportunity for them to get that right on offense. But before we get away from this game, I just want to talk about the defensive stat that I like the most, the deforced uh, five turnovers, five sacks, and 14 tackles for loss. I mean, that kind of stat line on defense, you're not going to lose too many games. It'd just be nice if the offense could kind of go win it for you earlier in the game and put you in cruise control. Yeah, and, but again, that goes back to the offense, right? Five turnovers, and I know one was at the end and we took a knee. So let's let's get rid of the last one in terms of criticizing for the offense. But four turnovers. 
the opening drive was we received the ball, went down the field, and scored basically doing whatever we wanted because Florida State wasn't stopping any of it. Uh, and then the defense forces a fumble, gives the offense great field position. Josh Jackson misses receivers three different times. The only pass that was good was still out of bounds and uncatchable for a receiver, so we have to settle for a field goal. That makes it 10. Then you do absolutely zero until a blocked punt that is caught again by Kuma. And then again, Kuma bails Josh Jackson out and gives him a second touchdown pass to pad his okay, stats that, that wasn't and make a him, pass. makes him look like he's something special. No, but Kuma broke like two or three or four was, tackles on that a, play. That's what I'm saying. If Kuma doesn't break three or four tackles there we're, and doesn't score, we don't score on that drive. And we're talking about Josh Jackson being below average. It was still a first down pass. I'll take it. I, he made a great play. The receiver made a great play. That's fine. But it wasn't a bailout. You know, it wasn't some kind of horrible pass that Kuma made turn into anything. It was a first down reception without what happened after that. I'm saying it was without a first down act, reception. Without the but yards who, after catch. <laughs> yeah, but okay. But if I'm saying when we look at his stats, it's what? A 15-yard gain instead of a 49-yard gain then and a another touchdown? Take away 30 yards and a touchdown. Josh Jackson's numbers look garbage. Yep, and against one of the three best teams we'll play in the regular season, if we can get better against these other teams and then not have these type of performances in bigger games the rest of the way, we won't look back at this as negatively as you do. Let's move on to something more positive. Fort Defiance winning a football game Friday night, and that's something everybody, unless you're in short draft, can be happy about. Yeah, Fort Defiance looked uh, really, really good. Uh, we didn't get to see this game, but I mean, judging by the box score, doing a little box score reading, um, pretty impressed. Uh, they hung around with Buffalo Gap in week one, and this week they took down Stewart's draft. It's their first win against Augusta County team since, what was it, 2014 or something? 2013, five 2013, years. 2013, yeah. And it was their defense. I mean, they just kept draft down, and what we worried about last week was Stewart's draft having the young players at running back. It seemed like it hurt them a lot more this week because Fort Defiance was able to just absolutely shut them down. They had three points for nearly the entire game. They scored a touchdown late by the quarterback running it in. But the game was decided, really, when there was a fumble and the player from uh, Fort Defiance picked the ball up, took it to the other end zone. You know, an all-timer play. I'm sure that place went crazy. And, I mean, just the, the happiness that you have in Fort Defiance getting that win against a team that's known to be pretty good, a team from across the county, I, it just means so much. Yeah, it's a big win for Fort, and to be honest, looking ahead at Fort's schedule, uh, I know Wilson beat Waynesboro. I still like Fort in that game. Uh, I like Fort against Waynesboro now. Uh, I like Fort to maybe really improve on last year. I know we were talking about they're going to be better, but what? how many yeah. more wins is that really? Well, now you're looking considerably more. Uh, Stewart Straff went from a team that I thought was probably going to make the playoffs to a team that maybe not, and Waynesboro, speaking of Waynesboro, uh, not to put not to end any dreams, but playoffs over in Waynesboro right now. Yeah, jumping back, I think Fort, I'm still probably looking at three wins, but I could probably be talked into four. Stewart's draft, yeah, I mean, they, they're coming out even where they were last year right now with wins and losses, except their win is against a team that's going to have less wins than the win than they had last year, and that sounds confusing for PowerPoints, but it just trust me, it means something. Uh, but Stewart's draft probably likely out because – who are they going to pick up wins against the rest of the way on teams that they 
they lost to last year that they're all looking better. All, every team that they lost to last year, I think, looks better. So I don't know who they're going to pick up wins against. And then Waynesboro, yeah, I, I don't see how they make the playoffs with the losses they have. And they have two losses coming up, Brookville this week and oh, Clark County next week. Yeah, you're not winning either one of those games if you're Waynesboro. You had to beat Stewart Straff and Fort. Eh. You didn't beat Stewart Straff, and I said maybe there's a chance, an outside chance. But after losing to Wilson this week, um, that dream is over. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Wilson. Again, I'm not I'm not totally sold on Wilson because I don't believe in Waynesboro anymore. Uh, I put my belief in Waynesboro yeah. two weeks in a row, and they made me pay for it. But uh, I, I just don't think Waynesboro is very good, so I kind of need to see Wilson do it against someone that I think is actually going to be a player at the end of the year. And they'll have some opportunities coming up. Let's look at the games this week and talk about what we're seeing. And, and there's a there's a great game happening up the road, up at Eastern, or actually happening in Stanton, but East Rock is coming down to Robert E. Lee. And this is two teams with lots of athletes, lots of speed, you know, like to throw the ball all over the place. What do you think is going to happen in Gypsy Hill on Friday? I think one team is going to score a ton of points the other team is going to score a good amount of points but um look i haven't seen it at Ari Lee's defense uh, i think Ari Lee's defense is uh i mean i was listening to you and chip on friday and i i don't know how many times i was sitting there driving up in the car going my gosh can we tackle somebody i mean a lot of missed tackles it sounded like letting guys on the outside east rock is too good I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, that team is really good. They're putting up points and they're stopping teams from scoring too. So I think East Rock's defense is better. East Rock's offense might be as good or better than Lee's and Lee's defense is far inferior to East Rock. I don't have a great argument against that, but I do have that. We saw Lee's defense not look great early last year. They gave up points to Turner Ashby last year. They gave up points to, uh, to Rockbridge County. They've done that again this year. Their defense got better as the season went on. I just don't think it's going to be where it needs to be this week to overcome what East Rock is bringing. Last year, that was a tight game. You know, I think it was 13-13, and then Lee kind of took off from there um, because they they found some good things. I think East Rock is a lot better than they are were last year. I'm not I'm not convinced Lee is any better than they were last year. They definitely aren't at this time. I just don't even know if the ceiling out there can touch even close to what was there last year. I think they have good players in good spots. This isn't you know, condemning their quarterback dot. I think he did a really good job. I actually think he's better than expected. It's just that they're just not as dynamic on offense as they were before. They don't have the running backs that they had. They don't have the array of receivers out there. And really, I think Dougie Simmons missing him on the outside. You always had that big guy, go-to guy on the outside that they could pick up a first down with. I didn't see that Friday night. No, I would say right now, based on what we have seen in the first two weeks, which I know is early and you've mentioned that already. Uh, and there's still a lot of football to be played, and Ari Lee can definitely change my mind on this. But based on what we've seen, ceiling is region semifinal, and that's if the defense improves. I agree, and but I'm kind of giving the benefit of the doubt that defense will improve. I think they're a good team with lots of talent. I think they're well-coached. I really do think they're well-coached. So I have faith it'll get better. I just don't think it'll get good enough. You and I are going to be out at Riverheads on Friday to watch Stewart Draft Riverheads play before the season starts. You know, that's a circled game, big time game in the area. But after Stewart Draft loses to Fort, what is this game? Uh, this game is a tune up for Riverheads. And that's a team that probably doesn't need any more tune ups. They 
I mean, they go through scrimmages and pound on people. They play Bath County last week, pound on people. And then another pounding coming this week, you would assume, against Stuart Straff. Maybe emotions get involved. Maybe no one the last two years, these have been field goal games, gets involved in the players' heads. It's a lot of the same guys on the Riverhead side. Maybe they, you know, let draft mentally beat them somehow. But I don't know any I've seen a team mentally beat Riverhead. So I, I can come up with fairy tales on why Riverheads might not dominate this game but none of them sound anything for real. They all consider magic. It, it's going to have to be a game where Stewart's draft dominates the trenches, and I'm not sure if they're capable of that. I think draft will keep the game respectable for a half, maybe three quarters, but I just don't see this. I don't see any way Stewart's draft keeps this from being at least a two-score game when it's all said and done. I think this will be a lot like those older draft games where draft was decent, but couldn't really come close to Riverheads. And all of them, I think they were winning or tied at halftime. And then Riverheads would just take off at the end. But how many teams do we say that about against Riverheads? I mean, they just wear people out. And, I mean, they are so loaded at running back. It, I mean, they had a 10th grader scoring multiple touchdowns last week. And sure, they came later in the game, but it showed that he was faster than everybody else on the field. Just shows the depth that they have and will have for the next couple of years. Last game we'll talk about before we move on in the program uh, I have it listed down here, Fort Defiance, placing, facing William Monroe. We already talked about Fort a little bit, but I think they're favored this week. Why not? I, I think, think they, they could win this game. W- w- yeah, I think if they beat draft or not last week, I think they were favored this week. They beat William Monroe last year. That's what snapped a 25-game losing streak. And here you go. I think they're favored at home, and that's something we hadn't said to happen in Verona for five years. Yeah, I, I think Fort Defiance has a really good chance to win this game. Go 2-1 and one on the season, have a winning record. Uh, When was the last time Fort did that? (laughs) That'd be incredible. I'm sure we will have that stat ready for our Friday broadcast. But just want to let everybody else, I know everybody else in the area, Augusta County Sports, talking about, you know, Virginia Tech hosting William & Mary this weekend. Lots of tickets available for that one uh, because it looks like Virginia Tech's playing at a pretty decent level. Shouldn't uh, have too much of a problem with William & Mary. JMU playing at Norfolk State. And just for any Augusta County listeners, you know, before the season started, good TV package for JMU this year, better than usual, where you can find them on TV. This game was one of those you're going to have to pay to see it online things. That all changed. Now it's on ESPN, I think, plus. I guess you're still paying, but it's yeah, more available paying. than it was. So uh, if you're looking for that game, you can't find it on Maddie's Zone. It's going to be available, at least on ESPN+. Plus. Don't watch that game. I'm a JMU <laughs> graduate. Do not watch that game. JMU's going to win that game by 50+. plus. Norfolk State is garbage. And UVA goes to Indiana. I mean, coin you, toss. You, gave, you said this was a win for UVA. Coin toss. I'll give the advantage to UVA coin toss. I know UVA fans are jacked up on Mountain Dew after their big win against Richmond, but if last night was any indication... You can go ahead and take down the sign in the locker room. You can go ahead and stop beating up farm equipment or whatever it is that you do. Uh, You're not beating Virginia Tech. You better hope you make a bowl game. Let's (laughs) let's just end it there. With that, we'll let you know that we have Patrick Height from the Daily News Leader coming up. He's going to tell us everything about the volleyball season, what's happened, what will happen, what we can expect. We expect to hear a lot from Patrick. Then we have a big NFL preview coming up in Block C because the NFL gets going this weekend. We're all excited about the possibilities there. You know, it's the year-round league, but it is more exciting come September. And then in the D Block, we will get into more about Joe and I. So stick with us here on the Yak Sports Podcast.
We're back on the Yak Sports Podcast, your Augusta County Sports Podcast, and we welcome on Patrick Height with the Daily News Leader. Patrick, thanks for coming on with us today. Hey, thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. I, I'm not, I'm not going to make too much of this, but it's week three. You, you know, you guys had Cody Elliott week one. Wait, <laughs> to me, three week three, but hey, that's okay. I'll, I'll let it slide. Well, we have friends every with only one guest a week. It's pretty tough. <laughs> And, and those Harrisonburg uh, topics are dominating us. But we want to thank you for coming on. We want to talk a lot about volleyball. But I first want to ask you, you were at Fort Defiance on Friday. They got that big win, an irregular thing that happens in Verona these days. Just talk about the atmosphere there, your biggest takeaway that you really took away from being being at the game. The biggest takeaway on, uh, on, the, on the field was the Fort defense. I, I think that Fort defense is, is legit. I think it will keep them in games this year. Um, I don't think that's going to be the only win that you see from Fort Defiance this season. Now, their offense still a work in progress. They got a few weapons. Uh, but they've got a, I got a few things to work out there. But but I really think that defense is is good this year and, and, and solid. Um, and and the fans loved it. They had not won a home game in four years. So it had been a long time since they had won a home game. They hadn't beaten an Augusta County school uh, since 2013. So so the atmosphere was was special that night. Um, and, and I think everybody, I went up to the, uh, the principal at Fort late in that game and, and I asked him, I said, do you remember the last time you guys beat another Augusta County school? And he said, don't, he said, stop right there. Don't say anything else until <laughs> it's over. Cause he said, I've seen it slip away too many times over the years. So, so really I, I, I thought it was a lot of fun to be there, be in, in, in part of that, uh, be part of that, um, atmosphere that night. And I, I think it's big for those, especially those Fort seniors who have struggled so much. It was fun to see them win. Well, that's awesome. Well, uh, we look forward to seeing more out of Fort now. We're, we're assigning wins to them the rest of the way in our first segment. So, uh, <laughs> with with one win comes expectations. Well, you know what? I, I don't. I think early in the season, I think people were saying before the season started, "Hey, Fort can maybe win a few games." I'm not sure Stewart's draft was one of those teams you thought they could beat. So, getting that win. It's just kind of gravy. I, I think there's a few other games on this schedule that they should be in and, and should have a chance to win at the end of the game. There was one guy that said it a couple of weeks ago, but we don't have to talk about that. Uh, let's talk about volleyball. That's why we brought you on here. You know, we're into the season a little bit, but what have been some highlights so far in this early season that, uh, you know, that we've missed out on covering so far? Well, I, I think uh, – Wilson Memorial is is the team everybody's kind of wondering how how good are they going to be this year? Uh, obviously, coming off a state championship last year, which was huge, and I know that sounds silly to say a state championship is huge. Obviously, it is, but but it was bigger than just the school. I mean, it had been a long time since the Stanton, Waynesboro, Augusta County area had had a state champion in volleyball. Uh, it had been 1999 since that had happened, uh, and I know you guys are young, so you don't remember back before then, but but volleyball in this area was dominant for a while. I mean, Stewart's draft was in like six straight state championship games um, at, at one point. Uh, they didn't win them all, but they were they were playing for the titles. Uh, Fort, Defiance, Wilson, Lehigh, all won state titles. And then it dried up for like 17 years. We had a few teams that got close, but but nobody could win. So I think Wilson winning last year kind of re-energized this, this entire area for volleyball. And they lost some key players. They lost Hannah Johnson, the state player of the year. They lost a lot of other good seniors. So there were question marks on this team. But if you look at how, how they're built this year, first of all, they got four players who saw significant playing time last year and are going to be key parts this year. That experience from last season is going to help them. 
Cassidy Davis and, and Paris Hutchinson uh, are, are really your offense. That They're going to be big hitters. Uh, they were big hitters last year. Uh, I think nobody's going to fill necessarily the uh, the void that Hannah Johnson left, but I think they can step up and, and, and help with that role. Uh, Olivia Bauer is a defensive phenomenal. She's phenomenal on defense. She, she will see, she'll do better on offense this year. They didn't need her as much last year on offense, but you'll see more out of her this year offensively, but defensively and her blocks, she's, she's amazing at the net. Uh, and then the other one is, is Laura Kate major, the, uh, the daughter of the football coach at, at Wilson. Um, and the thing about all four of those, not only did they see playing time last year, they're all juniors. There's only one senior on this roster. So so Wilson is – I think they're going to be really good this year. I'm not sure they can repeat as state champions, but I do think they can make a, a deep run in the playoffs. Um, they're probably going to – that Radford team that they saw last year is is back and, and going to be really strong this year. So, But, but I, I'm, I like Wilson. I like what I've seen out of them. They have got a uh, – we'll know more about them in about two weeks. They've got uh, – Four four games out of five coming up where they play Robert E. Lee, Fort Defiance, Riverheads, uh, and then East Rock. Um, that, that is going to be a stretch where we'll see uh, we'll see what they're made of. East Rock right now looks like maybe they're the one team that, that can uh, can push Wilson in the uh, in the Shenandoah district. Um, and and the other the other news is Fort Defiance. Um, you know they they are they were really good last year. Uh, they just could not get over the it's brutal the valley district is brutal the region is brutal uh, i've always said that if they could not get to the state play when they had megan good on the team then i'm not sure they'll ever make it to state play uh, but they were they were really good last season and they're back this year they started off strong casey mazingo is a name to watch she is really going to be solid it really it's going to be casey mazingo and katie kramer running that offense everything goes through them and then maddie painter is the setter on that team uh, and she has been around volleyball forever i mean she's she was on the she's a junior this year she was on the varsity as a freshman um she's played travel volleyball her parents are, are the the heads of the travel team around here so she's really had a volleyball in her hand ever since she was a, a little kid um and jesse hall is another senior who yeah. kind of brings brings some uh, some energy to that team and, and has stepped up this season. So I really like the makeup this fourth team. It's just again the, the valley is is brutal. We'll see how they do there. And then when they get into regional play, it's when they when they face those teams from Roanoke and Lynchburg, it's just really difficult. I mean we we know my bias for Riverheads, but Fort Defiance is is my uh is my volleyball team. I mean I know the coaching staff. I know uh, Hull, I know Laney on that team. I mean, I got friends and family all over that team. So that's that's really probably the volleyball team that I'm going to watch the closest. <laughs> yeah, they, they 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 look really good so far, and I think I think they're going to be uh, good throughout the season. They'll have a test uh, coming up. Uh, they play Rockbridge here um, here soon. I think actually, and maybe Thursday night uh, they play Rockbridge, and that's the team uh, last year. Uh, Ford actually beat Wilson last year in the regular season. They went through with one loss all throughout the regular season, and then they lost to Rockbridge in the district tournament and in the regionals. So after beating Rockbridge twice in the uh, in the regular season, so that'll be a test. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what's made, uh, what they're made of because I think Rockbridge is supposed to be pretty pretty solid this year as well. Well, Patrick, we have a lot of new volleyball coaches in the area. Uh, let's go talk about some of them and what are the expectations surrounding some of these new coaches at their new programs. Yeah, well, we do. We have uh, new coaches at uh, Robert E. Lee, um, Buffalo Gap, and Stewart's Draft. Now, let's start with Robert E. Lee. 
Uh, Roger Davis, uh, even though he's a new coach, he has been around forever. He's probably, of all the coaches in this area, he may be the best X's and O's coach out there. Uh, Sue Leonard might um, might press him for that. But Roger Davis is really good. He coached at Grace. He was an assistant at Waynesboro, an assistant at Lee before stepping up this year and, and taking the head coaching job. So he certainly knows what he's doing. The, uh, the players seem to, to like him. The transition has not been that difficult. The thing about Lee, they so much. They lost Jim uh, to playing at Virginia Tech this year. Uh, they lost Alex Stipe, who's playing uh, down at Norfolk State. They, they've lost a lot of seniors. So they're kind of flying under the radar. Take that team and mold them. And by late in the season, they could be a, a factor in the district race. I'm, I'm not sure they're going to go far when you're, you're looking at regions or state, but I definitely think they can be a factor in the Shenandoah district. Uh, Danielle Wilson takes over at Buffalo Gap. She's really young. She she was an assistant for a year, but she was playing as recently in, in high school, as recently as 2012 for Stewart's draft. So she had one year as an assistant at Gap, and then she takes over. So she's just kind of kind of finding her feet and finding her way there. Um, and she's got a, a young team as well, two seniors on that Buffalo Gap squad. So they'll kind of grow together. And I, I saw them uh, last week where they had moments where they looked really good and then moments where they did not look very good. So I, I think you'll see that probably throughout the season. And Cameron Johnson takes over at Stewart's draft. Uh, she's been the girls' tennis coach for about five years, I think, there, and she was an assistant on volleyball. Uh, she's taking over this year. Uh, they're they're going to struggle at times. Uh, they've got a few a few good players. Maddie Varner is a name to watch on that team. Uh, and they're 2-2 two and two so far, but uh, two of those wins, I, I think he wins Waynesboro, who – is going to struggle uh, throughout the year. They Waynesboro was like zero and twenty three last year, and and you're just hoping that they get some some wins this year. They're a young team, so they're going to grow as well. So I, I, I like all three of those coaches. Um, I, I I think uh, of the three, though, Roger Davis uh, is the is the one to watch. I, I think he can take that Lee team and and do something with them that again maybe nobody's really expecting a whole lot out of them. And, and by the end of the season, I think they could be pretty good. All right, Patrick, let's talk about you. You mentioned some of the big games coming, uh, you know, for Wilson in particular, but just kind of highlight the three best games. If you want to see a good, good volleyball in the area and maybe not every one of these involve in Wilson, what are your three biggest games, biggest matchups with our local seven that you would recommend a listener to go to? Well, I, I think if, if you, you know, look at look at the East Rock game. Uh, now that one's that one's away, so so it'll be up in Elkton, but that's not too bad of a trip. That's on uh, September seventeenth. They, they play because I really think the district may come down to two teams, and I, I'm forward uh, to that game. Um, a couple of others: uh, Robert E. Lee and and Riverheads. Um, I, I kind of Riverheads has they've got a second year coach this yeah, year. Yeah, another young girl coaching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Nissa Stapleton uh, was was playing not too long ago at Riverheads. Um, and she was kind of forced into uh, in, into coaching last year when uh, when Ruth Thompson got the Mary Baldwin job right before the season started, uh, and Anissa had to take over and really learn on the fly. So I think having a whole off season uh, to to adjust to her players and and know that she was going to be the head coach uh, coming into to August this year is going to help her. And Riverheads got off to a fast start. They lost a a tough match to East Rock uh, last week. I like this Riverheads team a lot. So I think Riverheads and, and Robert E. Lee, when they match up, that'll be a fun to watch because I want to say who's who's going to be 
Wilson, East Rock, yeah, they're really good. Who can step up and, and maybe be that third team in the Shenandoah district? I think both those teams could be the ones to do that and to watch that match. Uh, and then you know, I mentioned Fort and Rockbridge. That that could be your Valley District uh, championship. Turn Ashby always good. There's there's other teams in that Valley District who are good, but but I think Fort and Rockbridge could be top. So that uh, those two will match up twice this year. So if you get a chance, I would catch that game. All right, Patrick. Well, that was the volleyball update that we needed. We will be in touch in the future about more volleyball and, and other things. We always look forward to your coverage every weekend for Friday nights, but all week with volleyball and all the other sports in the area. Tell our listeners where to find you. I'm, I'm sure most of our listeners know where to find you, but go ahead and remind them how to find you on Twitter and, and online. Well, Twitter uh, at Patrick underscore height. That's H-I-T-E. And then newsleader.com is where all of uh, all of our content is throughout the week. You can check on that. Um, and then, of course, as you mentioned, Friday nights are, are big. Uh, this week, uh, I'm going to be uh, East Rock and uh, Robert E. Lee are playing. I'll Ooh. be at that game. And uh, that, uh, that, that should be uh, that should be. So, again, news.com, check it out. And Tom Jacobs uh, works. Uh, he's the other sports writer at the Newsleader. And uh, you can check out all of our stuff there. Yeah, and I was subscribing to the huddles. Great, you know, wake up Saturday morning and you have boom, 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 all the articles right there waiting for you. So I, I recommend that as well. So, Patrick, thanks for coming on with us. We look forward to having you on again. Hey, thanks for having me. And we are back on Yak Sports. Thanks again to Patrick Kiefer doing that with us. Uh, but, Leland, it's now time to move on to the NFL preview. Let's start with the most local team, the Washington Redskins. <laughs> and it's the team that, like, neither of us are really fans of, but we probably all have countless fan friends that are fans of them. So we hear and talk about them all the time. And we know you as an Augusta County sports fan listening likely a Redskins fan. So let's talk about him. You got a new quarterback, Alex Smith. You ran Cousins out of town. You know, Joe, what do you think? How do you think that's going to pay off for the Redskins fans? I think Alex Smith is a cheaper version of Kirk Cousins that may actually be better for the Redskins in the long term in the sense that I don't think Kirk Cousins is that much better, if at all better, than Alex Smith. And so because Alex Smith is cheaper, that allows you to build the team around him more. And I think the Redskins will actually be in a better place when it's all said and done. Uh, look, Kirk Cousins might have a good year this year in Minnesota. I will say with the cap situation going on with the Vikings uh, after this year, if Kirk Cousins doesn't take them to a Super Bowl and win it this year, it might be hard times for the Vikings after this. But um, I think I think the Redskins will be, I, I don't think they're going to be any worse than they were last year. And I think you know, as long as, you know, like a lot with a lot of these NFL teams, if you avoid the injury bug, maybe a little better. And then the injury bug already hit them. The guys, their rookie uh, running back out of LSU already gets hurt in the preseason happens every year to different teams. And it seems like it happens to Redskins a lot. Something happens in the preseason, but guys already gone, but they already, they still have a good stable of running backs there. And I think they're still going to get production out of there. What I really like about that off offense and knowing what Alex Smith did in Kansas City, I really expect Jordan Reed to have a big year. I expect him to be a, a good fantasy player because I just think Alex Smith will be finding him a lot. I mean, Alex Smith is a quarterback in Kansas City 
that went an entire season without throwing a touchdown to a wide receiver. He was eating up his tight ends and dumping the ball off to the running backs. I expect him to have that same mentality within the Redskins offense of finding those guys underneath, getting that first down yardage, marching down the field. And then when you're in an end goal situation, finding that tight end is special. And Jordan Reed's going to catch up all the time. Yeah, I I don't think losing Geis is a season-altering injury for the Redskins. I, I You mentioned it. The, the Redskins pretty deep at running back. I think they'll be fine there. Uh, I, I think for them, you know, looking ahead and kind of skipping ahead here a little bit, but they open up the season at Arizona. That's a big game. Uh, the Cardinals, not great at the quarterback position. So if the Redskins can take advantage, put up points, and force Arizona to have to score, uh, then I, I think that's one you can steal in the season opener on the road. Then you play the Colts at home. Uh, I don't believe in the Colts. But after that is a big stretch for the Redskins where they're going to have to find some wins somewhere. Uh, home against Green Bay is going to be tough. At New Orleans is going to be tough. Home against Carolina is going to be tough. And then you play Dallas. That's a big rivalry game. Uh, and then at New York, Atlanta. That yeah, stretch I, right I there mean, the, the is season-defining. The thing about the NFL schedule is you get on some momentum, and I think it really does matter how your September goes. I think teams, you know, when they get go get down in September, then it just carries negative the rest of the way. So I think getting a couple wins in here early and at least being even coming out of the month is really crucial for the Redskins. Let's talk about your Ravens. I, you talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, let me just put it to you this way, Ravens fans, uh, fellow Ravens fans. This season will determine who comes back. And by that, I mean, we already know that Ozzy's not coming back. He's retiring at the end of this year. But whether John Harbaugh comes back and Joe Flacco has a future in Baltimore, that that all rides on this year. Lamar Jackson is the quarterback of the future. You don't draft him in the first round and not have him play within two to three years. Uh, but look, for the, for the Ravens, it's all about getting off to a hot start, right? You open up against the Bills. You have to win that game. You cannot lose Nathan Peterman. That guy is not good. <laughs> so you need to win that game. Then you play at Cincinnati. That's a game that we should have won last year at the end of the year that we let slip away. You got to win that game. And then it's Denver. Um, look, I, I'm not a believer in the Broncos. I don't think Paxton Lynch is that good. So you need to win that game. What's going to hurt the Ravens is the same thing that hurts them every year is injuries. Um... It hurts every team, though. I mean, we talk about this with every team, and you look every every year. Injuries eat people up. Now, a quarterback hurts you worse than others. Yeah, but the Ravens' the injuries are all in the same positions. It's not, like, spread out. It's all in the same position. So, like, it, it seems like every year we lose two or three corners, and it just decimates that position. And... You know, fans are like, oh, our defensive backs aren't very good. And I'm like, well, you know, you're that is how Baltimore fans sound, by the way. I I have no others. We did draft. We did just (laughs) have to sign some guy that was bagging groceries two weeks ago. I mean, like, no, we're not going to get into talking down about people bagging groceries on this show. (laughs) Look, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying maybe that's not going to be a great NFL player. (laughs) I, I look forward to 930, September 30th. Steelers, Ravens, primetime game. You and I are going to argue the entire time. I'm looking forward to it. It's a big game. Yeah, and I think you're talking about these early season hopeful victories for your team. I think that's going to be a kind of a tipping point for how the how that season's going to go for the Ravens. Steelers, we'll see. Speaking of the Steelers, I'll talk about them. Uh, and you could throw in your two cents, but 
Big Ben, obviously still the, the QB there. Um, they got rid of Landry Jones, which is a blessing. Uh, they have the Tennessee quarterback Dobbs still backing up. And uh, we'll see what happens there at the quarterback position in the future. But this year, I think Big Ben's looking to have another solid year. He was pretty good last year. I don't want to see, what, see what's bringing him down. One thing that could hurt them, though, early is the cohesion with Bell. Bell being the best running back in the league by most accounts. He's holding out. He, he can't even sign for more money now. He can only sign the standard contract that's not for a great amount of money. There's really no reason for him to be still holding out. He needs to get back, get back on the team, get back with everybody. He hopefully, you know, middle of the week, he's there, can go into the weekend, start playing. Looking out at the wide receiver position, Bryant's gone. He's actually been cut by the Raiders who he signed with because he's in more legal trouble. So it's a good move on the Steelers part to get rid of him. So that moves Juju up to the number two spot at the wide receiver. He's been become a popular guy on social media and, and national press. He, he gets a lot of attention. I think that's going to be a good thing for them. I think he's a, a good um you know, other side of the field from Brown. I think he can make some big plays and still bring enough attention from a safety that they won't just be triple team and Brown on the other side. And then most importantly, in my mind, Terrell Edmonds joins the roster, a hokey on the Steelers roster. Not something I get very often. I love it. I think the AFC North is a two team race between Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I think it's going to come down to the head to heads uh, because Baltimore schedule is not all that tough. Uh, and in fact, I feel a lot better about that schedule after seeing the Raiders trade away Khalil Mack this week and which, uh, we're not going to touch on it too in depth, but wow, really mind numbingly dumb thing to do if you're the Raiders, but, um, yeah, I I don't know. I'm going to disagree with you. I think Le'Veon Bell should prove a point, hold out the whole year, sit out the entire season, prove a point. Uh, stick it, stick it to the Steelers and show them that you are the one that runs this franchise and you're, you're a young man, get paid. (laughs) Just like a true Ravens fan would say. All right. Now where we're going to disagree a lot, let's talk about our predictions for the season. We didn't do this in college so much just because college is crazy and we'll probably talk predictions every week and be wrong every week, but NFL, you can put a little more on it, but let's talk first off division winners, East, North, Southwest, let's talk about the NFC East. Who do you got? NFC East. Uh, I'm going to stick with the Eagles, but... I agree. I touched on it a little bit earlier. I'm going to take the Redskins as a second team out of that division going to the playoffs this year. So you're going to take them as a wild card. I like it. I like it. I have the Eagles coming out of that. And I do not have anybody else coming out of the the East. All right, let's go to the North in the NFC. I got the Packers. Yeah, it's going to be pretty hard to see anybody beating the Packers. As long as Aaron Rodgers stays healthy. You know, of course, all this is contingent on that. But uh, I I think you look at Detroit, you look at Minnesota. I feel like they're just a little bit short of what Green Bay has to offer this year. And I think... You know what, Leland? I'm gonna I'm gonna talk myself out of it. I, I think Green Bay's defense is not good enough. I think Minnesota's actually gonna win that division again. Okay. I have the Vikings in as a wild card, so I think it comes down to those two teams, and it's probably yeah. gonna be pretty tight. I, I, so I'm not gonna... Green Bay's going to the playoffs. That's my second wild card team. But yeah. Minnesota, um, I think Minnesota's defense will be the difference. I, I think I've watched Green Bay too many times and watched their defense and know that it's just non existent. 
So we have them both in, but just in swap spots. Um, but I agree with you. Vikings got to get it done now if they want to get it done. Let's go to the South. I have the Saints kind of like Green Bay, where I just put a lot of faith in Aaron Rodgers and whoever's around him. I put a lot of faith in Drew Brees down in New Orleans, and I just think they're going to win a bunch of games this season. And I also am super excited, and I'll get to my Steelers being in the playoffs later, but the Steelers and the Saints play in like week 15, like way deep in the season. I think that's going to be a huge game on the schedule and maybe a Super Bowl preview. Um, you know what, Leland, I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons. I think Atlanta <laughs> is going to learn a lot from their disappointing postseason run. And I think they are going to win the NFC South. I think I, I just look at the Panthers. I don't know. Uh, it just doesn't feel like their year this year. And again, it comes back for the saints to just, their defense is either really good or really bad. And I, I don't think it's going to be really good. I think you're looking at the Saints. I look really hard at what happened last year. I mean, they got a miracle out of the playoffs by the Vikings. They would have been in the NFC Championship game if it wasn't for a blown tackle coverage by one of their defenders, which is to your point that their defense is sometimes there and sometimes not. I think they're a very good team. They're going to be returning a lot, and I think they're going to be right in that same kind of spot. I think they're in the playoffs from the, being a division winner. But I also agree with you. Falcons are good. That's my other wild card team in the NFC. I have the Fikes and the Falcons as the, excuse me, in the uh, in the wild card spot. But yeah, the Saints win in that division. All okay. right, let's go out west. The Rams seem to be everybody's favorite pick, and I just can't come up with a reason to pick somebody else. They made the playoffs last year. I think San Francisco is not good. I think Seattle's not good, and I think uh, the other team in that division that I am blanking on. <laughs> in the nfc west the 49ers the 49ers the seahawks and the cardinals is the team i'm failing to come up with i don't think any of them have what it takes to talk me out of the rams and i'm just listening to people really uh yeah look um if if the redskins don't make the playoffs that's my wild card that i would say uh if one of my wild cards is going to be wrong i feel like it's probably gonna be the redskins and then i would say the niners make it i think it's between those two teams and that's because I think Jimmy Garoppolo really does add a lot to that team. We saw that at the end of last year. And I, I think the Rams just have too much. Um, as long as Todd Gurley doesn't blow out his knees, that team's really, really hard to stop yeah. because Jared Goff really made a huge, huge improvement last year. In fact, more so than I thought was going to be possible. So I, I think the Rams win that division. And I think for the Rams, this is an important year for them. They are actually the odds-on favorite in Vegas to win the NFC. So that's kind of a lot of pressure. It's just a, such a swing from what they were not that long ago. They take care of the football, and that's you know so important in this game, especially in the NFL. Just not turning the ball over can just can win you some ball games. And as much fun as it is fun to watch Brett Favre or someone like that, and they'll win you some games that way too. If, you, if you're not turning it over, hard to really get blown out and you're going to stay in game. So let's turn over to the AFC, the AFC East. If you say anybody else in the Patriots, I'd be shocked. Buffalo Bills. No, <laughs> uh, New England Patriots. And there's no other wild card in this division because it is terrible. Yeah, it's a bad division. All right. Going to the north. Obviously, I have the Steelers. Who you got? Uh, it pains me to say this, but I'm going to say the Steelers as well. And... 
Why not? I'm going to say the Ravens make it as a wild card. I'm going to disagree with you about the Ravens making it as a wild card, but we'll come back to that. Down in the South, I have the Texans. I, I like the defense that they bring there. They got a lot of talent, and I think they'll get enough done on offense to, to let them get in the playoffs. But at the same time, we're going to come back to my other wild card team, but this is where my second wild card team come from. I have the Colts in. I'm a bigger believer in the Colts than you are. I think Andrew Luck's going to can get some stuff done. I think he's back finally healthy and not playing injured. I think they're going to get in the playoffs, not with some kind of incredible record, but I think they get in there. The Colts weren't good when Andrew Luck was healthy, so I don't think that matters. Uh, they feasted on a terrible, terrible division when Andrew Luck was healthy. Now that division is better. Houston is better than they were. Jacksonville was better than they were. Tennessee is the only team that is still not very good, and even they made the playoffs last year somehow because the AFC was just a real dumpster fire. But I think I think it's going to be Houston. I, I agree with you there because I think Jacksonville is going to take a step back. Um, Jalen Ramsey's running his mouth an awful lot, so I think teams are going to look forward to exposing him a little bit. He's going to get humbled, and I don't think Blake Bortles is going to have nearly as good of a year as he did last year. Yeah. And I think that's the difference. Deshaun Watson stays healthy, and the Houston Texans will win that division. Yeah, I'm still confused on how Jacksonville beat the Steelers in the playoffs last year. I actually watched it again Loved on NFL it. uh NFL channel this summer, and I, I just don't understand how it happened. I know I'm biased towards the Steelers, but they weren't that great and very poor at quarterback. I just don't see how they're gonna pull off even the playoffs this year in Jacksonville. Let's go out west. Who do you got out there? You know what? I I think the Chiefs made a terrible mistake trading Alex Smith. That being said, you look at that division, it is a wide open shootout between yeah. all four of those teams. I would have said the Raiders hands down before this weekend. I think Khalil yeah. Mack is that big of a difference. I think their defense loses a dominant pass rusher and all of a sudden their defense becomes very average. So that takes away the Raiders' greatest plus was their defense, in my opinion. Um, so I, I'm going to say Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the Chiefs are seeing something in him. He must be really good. I didn't think he was all that good in college, but uh, apparently he's really good. So I'm going to buy into the hype a little bit, trust the people that are smarter than me, and say that the Chiefs will still win that division. Yeah, I'm I'm actually – I had written down the Raiders, but I agree with you. After this weekend, it just makes me question the decision-making out there. And maybe I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm going to go with the Chiefs as well. I like Andy Reid. I, I have a big believer in what he can do. I was never an Eagles fan while he was there. I just I just like the way he coaches. He just seems to get a lot of wins out of teams that I don't think necessarily should win as much. So I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on the Chiefs and go there. All right, let's talk about my wild card team in the AFC. Joe, I've drank the Kool Aid. Hard Knocks won me over. I hate the Browns. But, man, I think they there's something there. There's a spark there. They have all these new guys in there. I also think Tyrod has something Leland, to prove. Stop. And I think the this Browns isn't even gonna, funny. I think they're going to sneak in in the wild card. I think they're going to find a way. I think they're going to be like in the weak AFC that you referenced that we had last year. I don't see a group of teams making it not weak anymore. And I think they're going to finish, you know, nine and uh, nine and nine and get in there or excuse me, not nine and nine, nine and seven and get in there. I think they're going to find a way. They're going to go from Owen 16 to nine and seven. I something about, they've greatly improved at quarterback with Tyrod there. This is the cold intro every week. 
of the season when the Cleveland Browns lose. That's and that's fine. I just something about it watching them on hard knocks. They wow. have me believing. They have me worried about week one. They play my Steelers. They have me worried. It's just something about them. I, I guess I'm kind of rooting for them too. Now that you get to know these guys personally from watching the show, but I'm picking them and that's fine. We can make oh fun of me the rest of the year. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm taking the Ravens as a wild card and I'll take Jacksonville as the other wild card. Um, Jacksonville. All right. Let's move on to Super Bowl. Who do you think is playing in the Super Bowl? And then uh, just leave it there. Then we'll talk about who wins. AFC, no clue. Um, <laughs> could very well be the New England Patriots again. I Because I can't honestly <laughs> pick the Ravens and believe it. Um, I will say New England. Because let me say this. Pittsburgh and New England are the great evils of the NFL. Oh, my goodness. And when they play, I honestly have to question life itself um, <laughs> and what is going on, what kind of society we have created for ourselves. Um, I root for no one to win that game, but I guess out of those two gun to my head, I have to pick, I'm going to pick the Patriots just because it makes the Steelers fans sad. All right. So no gun to your head, Joe, uh, in real life, but you do have the Patriots. I, I would probably need to actually have one to my head to pick the Patriots, but I have my Steelers. I think they're strong. I really thought they were going to make it last year. I think they're going to get bell in there. They're still dangerous everywhere on offense. And I think the defense has gotten younger and better these last couple of years. I think it's going to start paying off a little better. They were close last year. They kind of flubbed up in the, uh, in the playoffs, but I think they're going to make it. And that's a biased opinion. hundred percent. I will say that's biased. Leading into my Super Bowl champion, I think the Steelers are going to take it all. False. They're, the uh, Patriots will be playing the L.A. Rams in the Super Bowl. Oh, You forgot to give us your NFC team. I, my Saints. The Saints. That's why I was saying the Super Bowl preview earlier in the segment. I think Saints-Steelers oh. in the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be a good one. Disgusting. Okay. Um, it's uh, going to be thankful that the, the, the Saints have no defense in the Super Bowl. <laughs> it'll be the Rams, and it will be the Patriots. And you know what? I'm going to say that the Patriots fail in the Super Bowl again, and it's going to be the L.A. Rams winning a championship. Wow, what a turnaround. Hey, you went out on a limb. I appreciate that. But, uh, man, the Rams, that would really be something. Is Kurt Warner going to come back and play for them? Jared Goff is pretty good. Yeah. They've no, got this guy. No, His name is. is Todd Gurley. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Yeah, he's pretty good. It, I just can't buy the Rams. It's just something. And I, I admit that. I just listen to everybody else about the Rams because I just don't have true feelings on my own about them. But I'll go with you. So you got the Rams. I got the Steelers. And we'll see how both of us are on by the time we end up this season. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, coming up with the D block, we got a lot of fun. Stick with us on the Yak Sports Podcast. We're back here with the D block where we get to talk about Joe and I, you know, on a little personal level. Let's find out more about us. But let's first talk about some social media where we interacted with some of you. We had Patrick Hyde on earlier. I wanted to bring up the fact that he responded to his favorite pod being Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, you know, I have to check it out. I've heard a lot of good things. I've heard him reference it before on Twitter and Facebook. So I'm going to have to check it out. But uh, make sure you check out some of these that people have mentioned as their favorite pod. A lot of good ones out there. And it's still never too late to let us know what your favorite pod is, too. 4D Sports, always always a, a group favorite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Uh, obviously, I like 40 sports. Um, but <laughs> I'm going to also give uh, the Tony Kornheiser podcast. I know that's one both you and I listen to. I love it. I, and during the summer, it drives me crazy when they're only on maybe one day a week. So they're back into full rotation now that it's after Labor Day. So looking forward to that all the way through football season. And they, it's it's a fun program. Some people don't appreciate Tony, but I do. All right, Leland, let's get to business here. What is dominating your life? What is dominating my life? What's sad is I don't watch any movies anymore. Three kids will do that to you. So it come, it, I have to wait for free weekend on Showtime for me to be able to see a movie I was trying to see two years ago. Hell or High Water, great movie, loved it. Chris Prine, Jeff Bridges, um, just good good acting throughout. I, I'm a sucker for any movie or show about U.S. Marshals, and uh, Jeff Bridges is the U.S. Marshal in this one, chasing down two brothers that are um, you know, committing crime. And it's just a fun movie to see how it's going to play out, who's going to come out on top. You know, it's it's one of those like most movies these days where you're kind of rooting for the bad guy, but you're still rooting for the good guy. And there's there's good moments for both and bad moments. But I highly recommend that movie. It was very well done. It was up against good movies two years ago. Moonlight and uh, La La Land, I think, ended up taking the bigger awards. But that was probably my favorite movie from the last couple years right there. Yeah, um, I haven't seen that yet, but I'm a big fan of Jeff Bridges, so I'll probably give it a look see. Um, But what's dominating my life, Leland? is a new show that came out on Amazon. Uh, big fan of political slash thriller stuff and Jack Ryan, the Tom yeah. Clancy series just came out. I watched the first episode before the big game last night. Uh, first episode was pretty good. Uh, of course, it's starring John Krasinski, a.k.a. Jim Halpert. Jim! A little out of his element there. But uh, yeah, no, it's a good show so far. But he's been doing some of those. He's been done a couple movies where he's been in that you know military role and uh, fighting wars and fighting uh, fighting people abroad. So I'm, I'm all about it. We've been wanting to watch it. We didn't get into it this weekend, but I'm going to join you soon. We're going to talk about it. Okay. Well, Leland, what do you know that we all need to know? This whole Alabama quarterback thing, I think has been something interesting to watch. I think saving, you know, is for as great a coach as he is and he handles everything. I don't know if he's handled this one. So, right. I think he just needed to name a starter because now he just seems so irritated about the whole deal. And the only reason anybody's irritated is because he just didn't name a starter sooner. We all knew he was going to pick Tua. You're not going to put Tua in the second half of the national championship, let him win the game for you, and then all of a sudden take him out at the beginning of the next season. Sure, Jalen Hurts was great for him, 26-2 and as a starter, but he's moving on to the better arm. And, you know, the whole thing post-game, he gets all angry at – at um, the reporter there. And then he ends up having to apologize for, it. I don't really understand why he had to apologize for. It. I think if it was a man in that role, he wouldn't have had to apologize. And I think she is, does good at her job. And I think she's in that role. I, I don't, I don't like how that played out. I don't like how Saban looked, but I also don't like all the fallout from it. Um, I know if my daughter was interviewing a coach on the sideline, I want him to talk to her just like he talked to anybody else. So I just don't understand it, but it all could have been handled better if he just would have named a quarterback at least a week ago. I agree, but I also don't like sideline reporters in general. I don't think the position should even exist, but that's a different conversation. Um, Leland, I'm going to give you two things that I know that you need to know both of them stemming from you just know so many things Joe both of them stemming from last night's game though so that's how I'm (laughs) going to say that's how I'm going to justify this Uh, first thing ESPN like to run up the stat there Florida State is 14 and 2 against Virginia Tech in the last 16 meetings or some yeah that's that's exactly what the stat was Um, it goes back to the 70s that's cool 
because Virginia Tech is now three and two in the last five. So cool being ESPN. I know Florida State being the sexy pick, and I felt like the announcing crew was very Florida State uh, friendly and acting like the officiating was the reason they didn't win that game. Uh, but you know, whatever. Your offense yeah, it's can't pretty, score. It's pretty rough. They're talking about like people faking injuries too, and like one time it looked pretty bad. The next time everybody's booing in the stands. Meanwhile, two players knocked heads together and looked kind of possibly concussion uh, going on there. So I think people just need to back off that for now. If it's a systemic problem, then we'll worry about it. I, I don't like the look, but people need to ease up on that little little part of that game. Uh, the other thing is, I don't want to take any <laughs> credit away from Bud Foster. He definitely earned it, but the moment I knew Virginia Tech was going to win that game is when I saw the warmups and I saw the uniforms. Florida State has some pretty cool uniforms, actually, as their regular uniforms, but they went with the Nike Pro Combat uniforms, which were a mistake. Um, red helmet at the top, uh, black helmet at the bottom, so it's kind of those two-tone helmets. The Fade spear in. was gold. Um, wow. I don't. The black uniforms are okay. Um, I don't like them as much as the reds, but th- they came out. When they came out of the tunnel, I was like, nope, you don't look good. You're not going to play good. Virginia Tech wore their regular uniforms. Look good, play good. Take notes. Don't wear that funky stuff that we wear sometimes. Those are the (laughs) games we usually drop. Uh, So don't do that. Uh, Wear your regular uniforms because they're awesome. And uh, just go undefeated. Be perfect and all that. I really didn't have any extra problem with the helmet. I was very I'm like a boxer I think in those big games where I don't think Florida State could have done anything I like last night there's no no aspect of that that I would have appreciated but I didn't have any more feelings against the helmet um I I wouldn't want us in that same kind of helmet but I didn't think it was as bad as you texted me as soon as you saw it it was the deciding <laughs> factor in the game they didn't look good they didn't feel confident they came out and they were like, "Ooh, everyone's looking at us. They're judging us. We better do this swag, swag and surf or whatever well, that was before that, the game." That swag thing was a different topic, but yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. And I love the ESPN. Oh, that's so intimidating. I was like, "Cool." It's not. Our players come out to inner Sandman. Don't think they're intimidated. And judging by what our offense did on the opening drive, not intimidated. Just the whole swag thing in general. Miami gets into it too. I just I'm How'd never that go? appreciative of that. Uh, yeah, it was a bad weekend for those Florida teams down in the ACC. And that's a, that's a topic I'll, I'll bring up real quick as we're going out. You know, I'm worried that Miami now is probably going to start playing better and everybody's just going to dismiss the ACC all season because of what they did against LSU. Hard to blame them, too. Uh, Florida State, I don't think will actually turn a whole lot around. I think they'll, they're middle of the road. They'll make a bowl game, but I, I don't think they're a 10-win team by any means. So um, it, it's just... It's, it was a rough opening weekend for the top of the ACC, or the presumed top of the ACC. Clemson and Virginia Tech looking good. All right, that's it for this week's podcast here on the Yak Sports Podcast. We'll be back with next week with more of your Augusta County sports, including a lot of football happening everywhere. Big games this week, big games next week. We'll be here to talk about it.